Welcome back to the Not Just a Bikini Girl podcast. This is your host, Jasmine Jeffrey, and today I have the amazing Matilda. Like, oh my god, I love this story. Like, we just <laughs> it's through the podcast. I love the fact that I'm connected with so many amazing women through this podcast. I never ever expected it. Um, but she's been a massive, massive help and support system just for myself, uh, with business and things that have been going on. So yeah, I'm super, I'm so blessed. I'm so excited to have her on. Um, we're going to be talking about loads of different topics from competing and business. Um, we're both on businesses. We both compete. We both have busy lives. So I can relate to a lot of what Matilda says, especially on her Instagram. Um, and she is the proud owner of Saks, which is an apparel line based in Australia. So yeah, welcome, babe. I'm so happy to get you on. And I love the fact it's like we managed to sort out time zones. It's eight o'clock here, five o'clock where you are. We've nailed it. So we've done the hard work, I think. <laughs> we have. Thank you so much for having me, my love. It is an absolute pleasure. So when did you come across the podcast, just out of curiosity? I'd say about a year or so ago. Um, and I think it just like popped up on my little recommended. Um, I was searching prep. It would have been a year, yeah, because I was my first show was a year ago. Well, I started prep a year ago for my first show, so I was literally just downloading anything I could um, to get some opinions on on prep, really, on competition and get other people's personal experiences. So that's how I found you. Um, and yeah, I've been like, like I said, I binge binge listen to you today, but I listen like religiously every episode. So I love you. That's thank you. I love that. It's so weird at the same time, but I'm like, thank you. Because <laughs> I remember, because I remember you. Um, like I think you like mentioned me in a story or something, and then I just like remember just seeing like this amazing like blue greenish bikini with this amazing mm. head. I was like, oh my god, this! I I just knew she's. I was like, definitely doing WBFF like 100, yeah. percent and you just looked incredible, like. So, so good. So you're going for WBF again, aren't you, this year? I am. So I'm competing um, October. So I'm 19 weeks out now. Um, October the 12th I'm on. So I did, it sounds like, I'm in prep now, and it sounds like a really long prep, but last year I did 33 weeks of prep. Wow. Yeah, so that was wild. So, like, I started with, like, quite a high percentage body fat. Um, and I really like, I ended up maybe losing 12 kilos. Um, but in total, I'd say it was closest to maybe 16, including, you know, muscle mass that I built and everything like that. So, um, 33 weeks, that's like no cheat meals. Like I didn't even have Pepsi Max. Like I was dedicated 33 weeks. And so I did 22 this time around. So I'm a couple of weeks deep at the moment. Um, but yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Are you having pe- Pepsi Max this prep or is it still like? No yeah, yeah, I have a Max. I'm going to cut that at like 12 weeks. Um, hopefully my coach doesn't listen to this because I'm not supposed to have Pepsi Max, but I don't mean. <laughs> Sorry. I love that. Hopefully my coach is not. It's fine. Whatever I said on here, like no one listens to it, so it's fine. <laughs> no, this is just a private conversation, right? Yeah. It's not recording, that's how I apologize. Um... I want to talk about sex um, in a bit. I mean, we want to talk about we've, yeah. we've started with competing. I think let's just roll with that. Um, so I don't know a lot about um, like the competing scene in Australia, but I, whenever I see um, like Australian like competitors on Instagram, 
it is very WBFF. I don't know if that's just because my algorithm, what I generally if I watch you, and that's kind of the perception I've got. But what what's the split like? Because in the UK, again, I don't know if it's because of perception, because of my maybe my interest change. But I saw a lot of um, like Mammy Pro, which is kind of like a WBFF, but like a, like a not a lower tier. That sounds a bit harsh, but you know what I mean. Um, it's basically. WBFF was quite popular, quite a few names out there. Um, and now for I would say for us, it's more of a bodybuilding sort of scene. It's not the weighting of it, for example, it's more bodybuilding now. So what is the sort of competing scene like in Australia? Is it very much the dumb thing that everyone does WBFF? Is it more like an IFBB? Like, talk to me a little bit about yeah. how the competing scene is in Australia. Um, in... WA, Western Australia. So I just moved from Perth um, earlier this year and it is just IFBB galore. So everyone does IFBB. Um, I think in my show last year, there were two girls, one being myself that did WBFF that were from Perth. So WBFF is extremely um, rare. And in the Eastern States, where I'm now in Sydney, um, WBFF is everywhere, which is one of the reasons that I kind of moved across too because. Um, it was more of my community. And you know what it's like when you find people that you kind of gel with and you can relate to. Um, it's, it's The whole process is a lot easier. So, yeah, it's definitely more WBFF here. Um, WBFF is World Beauty Fitness Fashion. So it is compared to Victoria's Secret by Times Fitness. So, like, the angels that go to the gym. That's, like, the comparison of it all. Yeah. Um, whereas IFBB is a lot more bodybuilding. So, there's a lot more glamour, I think, in WBFF. Um, there's, like, a gown, gown wear round. Um, there's a registration night with the red carpet. The bikinis are very glitzy, very glamorous. Um, it's all up. You know, you can design your own bikini. There's no criteria of what your bikini should look like. The posing is unique. You can do what you want. You can wear your hair how you want. It's all very personalised. Um, I think that's what really attracted me to WBFF as well. Like I have my body, like I have a curvy body. I have red hair. Like I'm very, I'm not the standard, you know, bodybuilder look. Um, and so I love that WBFF just kind of allows me to be myself. Yeah, definitely. So I, obviously you, you probably know this anyway, I did a whole like mixture last year and I was going to do WBFF at the end, but to be really honest with you, I just ran out of money. That's the honest truth. It was literally, I did three shows, had my wedding the next month before, come on Jazz, like, let's just save this one. <laughs> I think I wanted to do it 100% and I knew that if I, if I wanted to do it last year, it would have been like, do you know what I mean? It wouldn't have been a hundred percent for me. Um, but yeah, I just I loved my my kind of like experience of WBFF is through this Mami Pro show, and it was the first time I was free to kind of do whatever I want with posing. And Sass, usually for me, like I ask my friends, and they just laugh when they see like, like they they understand the bodybuilding. So like, look, it, it's programmed. You go into your pose. It doesn't matter whether you're nervous. You can kind of like hide it. Whereas I think with WBFF and the more fashion style, I think personally, it's not putting any discredits bodybuilders at all because I do that scene. I love it. I think it's more challenging do, doing the more WBFF styling because you kind of. You've got nothing to hide behind apart from you, like your confidence, because that's what the pose requires you to do. It requires you to be fluid. It requires you to be very confident. Obviously, I'm playing my hat, do you know I mean? That sort of thing. And I think when you're on stage, that is actually a lot harder to do because 
if you don't feel like that, you've got to really like override that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Um, that's personally what I found anyway. But I loved it. You've got to be really sexy. It's a sexy, it's sexy, it's playful, it's sexy. Um, and it's hard because posing is the hardest part because you have to, no one can tell you. Sure, there's a lot of posing coaches out there, but the posing coaches aren't going to tell you exactly how to move, you know, there's not a set position that you have to get into for every single, um, you know, every pose. So front pose, side pose, they still do all this corner turn to the right. But when you turn, you've got to be doing a hair flick and a booty pop and like really showing off. Um, and it's really hard when there's not like a manual as to how to do that. You have to be unique and bring your own thing, which is so much fun, but it is so hard too. Yeah. I found um, my bodybuilding, I guess coming from more bodybuilding, background when I first started I learned like wasn't as hard like that was what everyone was really surprised about like how can you go from IFBB two weeks ago and go straight into like a Miami Pro fitness style yeah I personally found that the only main difference is is your hands like your legs pretty much do similar things um it's more the hands and that's the way I try and teach people now if they come to me and like gone from a bodybuilding style and want to do the fashion the fishing what the hell is that the fashion <laughs> a fishing show <laughs> why not that's great um but that's what i try and say to them it's like it's not that difficult once you break it down um mm. and for example if you wanted to switch in i would think it's not as i don't know it's not for me it wasn't as big as a jump um but yeah the whole hat sassy thing i think it's hard and especially for myself i'm just not sassy but yeah i think you just learn you literally just have to keep practicing and when i say to people no you've got to keep practicing like i i i think my off season i was in the end i was probably doing about three to five posing practices a week and even in prep like it's pretty much the same um so if you are listening to this you're like no i still can't get it you probably just still got another at least another 12 weeks even more just to keep it grained into you because now i can fling into it I'm like, yeah, because I remember a few years ago thinking, no, I could never do that. I could never do it. Okay. And you need a good playlist. You need oh, some, yeah. if you like, if you have to be sexy and sassy, get your sexy songs, make a playlist, and just listen to that. Like, I have a playlist that I've got, and it's like Motivation by Kelly Rowland. That was like my, that was my posing song for last year. So I don't know what it will be this year, but literally just get your sexy on and pose your little heart out. Yeah. You cannot practice enough. 100%, 100%. I was just about to ask you what's in the playlist, but you already given me that. <laughs> my husband, when he's in the gym, listens to, like, heavy metal, like, rock. And me, it's, like, heavy bass. Sometimes a little bit of pitbull. Please don't judge me. Um, but I'm so, like, cringe, like, full-on cringe. I, I remember last prep, Paris Hilton came in. Like, yeah, she went through that time. She did all these weird songs. Like, I started playing them. That's the level I got to. Yeah. Whatever it takes, girl. Whatever it takes. <laughs> oh, man. So, how did you deal with obviously it was your first show last year? So, how did you get on with that transition? Um, I personally found it hard. Like, the first year of my competing, I didn't find it difficult. This year, I'll be honest, mm-hmm. like, I actually, it was the first time I properly struggled um, with that transition from prep to off-season. So I don't know if you could kind of talk about maybe the, 
challenges if you did like how did you feel with that whole experience obviously you've mentioned at the beginning of this podcast you'd had a big that's a big drop I think it was 16 kg you mentioned um yeah like how did you kind of adapt um and cope with that sort of transition after show yeah definitely so um prep I think that one of the reasons I love prep so much is because every single day or every single week you're seeing um changes and you're really it's like unwrapping someone. I think it was my coach that said to me, it's like unwrapping there and you're like, oh my God, I'm making progress. Like this is incredible. Like every day you're getting closer to that goal, which is so motivating, um, which is why I think I was able to do such a long prep. Whereas when you get into an off season and you've got to start putting on some body fat, you've got to start gaining some weight, you have to start, you know, being maintainable again. Um, doing the opposite is really tough and I think I was so um, public about it all on social as well I always got um, I was always really nervous about what people would think because I went from being a bigger girl to being quite lean to stage to then be putting on weight again and I didn't want people to think I was going backwards so it was such a battle because I would follow a plan and I was allowed one off meal every three days I think at the start but I would never have that off meal because I didn't want to gain too much weight. So I then would be really upset because I had no freedom. But then it was just, then I'd move into macros and I started counting macros and learning um, about macros, learning about food groups, um, obviously macros being protein, fats and carbs, working out how to fuel my body correctly. Um, and it got better. It was hard. I found off season harder than prepping. Um, but one of the reasons that I actually decided to do another show was so that I can take what I learned in my off season and have a better off season this time around, because I have had so many girls reach out to me that have had a really tough off season. And the fact that I was so open and raw about my struggles, um, helped them. But I want to now take what I've learned and be able to have a much better off season and not be so... And not be so reliant, not be so scared to put on weight and scared to be judged by everyone. Because to be honest, people don't really care that much. Like I thought that they did, but like people understand that you can't be stage clean forever, unfortunately. But it's just not possible. A hundred percent. And some people, to be honest, won't understand it. I think you have, I don't know about you, I feel like with competing, you have to understand that, as you say, a lot of people don't actually care, which I think is a good thing sometimes. Um, and yeah some people won't get it and that's fine like just let them crack on they're not worth your energy they're not worth your yeah. like any there's no it's not no point in you consuming any of that um and i do agree with you in regards to like your next show because i was a little bit like oh like this off season was a lot harder this transition was a lot harder but then when I look at it, I'm like, yeah, I had a lot going on. Like, it wasn't, I don't think it, and this is where it comes to, is it prep, is it you, sort of, that sort of, like, kind of, like, binary. Um, for me last year, my first off-season, had no stresses, obviously didn't have the business, I wasn't moving house, I wasn't gymming, I had, did have all these things on me. And I think it's really important that you look at whether things are prep-related or whether it's because you've got external stresses. So, for example, myself last year, um, I was just super stressed. Yeah, it, I think it does get easier, but for example, just for myself, I knew that like the stresses of running a business and 
I was just I had very much contributed to that. Um, and I think it's I think the message that I'm trying to get through to people is if you've had a bad prep or if you've had a bad off season, it's not it it's very likely if you're so if you've got enough self-awareness, it's not gonna happen again because you know like generally as you say, you learn so many lessons along the way, so it does get easier. I personally think it gets easier. But. I hope it does. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm literally so out of breath. That shows my off season. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I think it does. Even though, like for me, it was harder last year. Like I took a step back and I thought, yeah, it was definitely stress. Like everything I think else. You have to on. reflect. Yeah, I think reflection is such a huge part of it as well. As well, like even in my prep, I'm a completely different person to what I was in last year's prep because I have more trust in the process I don't get mad at my fiance when he wants to eat burgers like I used to get I was thank like I don't know how he stayed with me like I was horrible like nobody could eat anything around me like if I was on prep everyone was on prep like that was the way it was but now it turns out that prep is my decision and I don't have to I don't have to make anyone feel bad for choosing to eat whatever they want. And I think that was just even a reflection when I look back at last year's prep of something that I wanted to work on. And then same goes as my off season. There's things that I look back in my off season and I'm like, okay, so we'll we'll do that a little bit differently this time around. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I think the first time, you, I guess you're more like reactive, more responsive to things um, because it's all a new experience and you don't know, like you just feel like, completely blind to it and you don't know what whether you're, what you're feeling is normal or you know what I mean like I felt I was a lot more yeah. reactive and a lot more responsive um without using kind of like maybe like my more common sense second time as you know because you know you know what is what is going on it's normal actually you trust the process but at the beginning you're constantly questioning yourself and yeah, it, you do find yourself a little bit more stressful, stressed out in the first prep, but as you say, it does get easier. Mm-hmm. That self awareness is really, really key. And I don't know why my fiance say with me, but I was a nightmare. <laughs> um, but again, like we could, to other people, we might have been like a blessing. So you know, know. I'm sure we were. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So how is um, everything going with the business? Like, I, obviously, I watch all the stuff. Came here. I'm just so proud. Um, oh, thank you. How long has Sax actually been going for? So, um, Sax started. So, my partner John started Sax in 2016, I believe. Um, it was a supplement shop that went bust, and it didn't. It really um put him in a crappy position. Um, so he would sell apparel there a little bit, but he realised that that was kind of his passion. Um, moved on to apparel and sold a few t-shirts here and there like it was a very casual business um he still worked in another club store and worked in the gym in the meantime um and a couple of years ago when Don and I met I didn't know what sax was um and I was not interested like when I found out what it was I was like no like I'm gonna do my corporate career live my best life be a boss in corporate and you can do your little fitness business like whatever and the more and more um, I got involved with it, you know, just giving my opinion on design, giving my opinion on um, marketing, giving my opinion on that, like I realised and I grew such a, such a big love of the brand. Um, then obviously I invested in it and 
became part owner. So Don and I both own the business. Um, but it's just so funny looking back because like I was not keen on getting involved with that. Like I was so anti. I was like, you can sell your t-shirts. Like I'm going to do my thing, whatever. I'm so surprised because you were like, you look, I, I just watch you both and it's like, it comes, yeah. both, it, do you mean it comes out with you both, like the love and the passion for it. So. Yeah, absolutely. And the business has grown so like the past year, I'd say the past two years it's really taken off, but the past year has been absolutely insane. Um, we struggle to keep up with the demand at the moment, which is so incredible and I'm so thankful for it, but it is so overwhelming as well. So it's really exciting. Um, we ship globally, so worldwide shipping. Um, we work with people all around the world. We've got really exciting collaborations and projects coming up. Like. It's, it's all happening. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. Uh, can we just mention how, like, Paige Hathaway, what the hell? Oh, uh, yeah. That, oh, my God. That was – she is – Don and I cried. We all cried together because she was on our vision board. Um, Don and I are all about, like, vision boards and yeah. the universe and all this kind of stuff. And Paige was on our vision board. A Kardashian's also on there as well, so if we could attract that. But we got to cross Paige off, and we told her that, and we literally all started crying, including Paige, all, like, hugging each other, crying at the end of the photo shoot. It was amazing, and she is, like, she is so beautiful. She's such, she's such a lovely person. So that was a real moment for us. So how did, did you just literally mention, but, like, yo, I want to shoot you? Was it kind of, like, how did that kind of collaboration come about? Yeah. We spoke to her manager um, and we just went through that avenue. We were to Melbourne for the Arnold Sports Festival, um, which Paige was involved in. And um, yeah, we just kind of went, went from there. So it was, such, it was such a cool day. We had like really cool venue. We had hair and makeup, like it was the whole thing. Um, and Paige is an angel. Like you never want to meet your idols, right? Like, because just in case. Just so honestly, yeah, she's honestly the nicest, nicest, most genuine down to earth girl. So yeah, it was, it was definitely a moment. I love that. I love that. Sorry, I'm like, <laughs> it's just it's been so cool. Just because you mentioned that things have taken off for yourself in the year, I, I obviously I've only just been the same. Yeah, I've been at this point with you like since Sax, but obviously I don't know all the. I can only imagine like all the hard work and everything else that's going into it before obviously this whole big year um mm -hmm. like what has been like the biggest i don't know like what is what are the biggest things that you think a lot of people don't realize when it comes to like running a business i can vouch myself people i guess it's a great thing but people think they're big you're bigger than what you are for example i don't know what your setup is right now but for myself it's still me myself and i like I don't know anyone else helping me. Um, and it's hilarious when I get messages saying, oh, you, you girls like, are just insane. I'm like, girls? I'm like, I know I'm tall, but I'm just one person. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What has been like the bigger things for yourself? Um, I don't know whether it's people making comments, you're like, oh gosh, I wish, or do, do you see what I'm coming from? Like what sort of things um, do you think go behind the scenes of running a business that people potentially don't really no. I think, yeah, I think um, you you maybe feel the same. I Don and I are always very cautious of whether, or not cautious, um, we're very torn between whether or not we should tell people that it's just Don and I, because it literally is just two people. You're probably yeah. the same. Sometimes I feel like we should be like, oh, the team, or if 
so that if we mess up, at least we have someone else to blame. But yeah. we don't, like Lynn and I. Um, and for a while, we wanted to keep things really quite professional, but in a sense, like only show the good parts and only show. We didn't want to show our warehouse isn't glamorous. And oh, no. people, and they've got these incredible warehouses, and we're like, we didn't show ours because we didn't think it, you know, matched up to it. But now we show our warehouse, and we're onto our third warehouse now because we've outgrown every warehouse, and people love the journey, which is really cool. So I think that we're trying to really be as real as possible. Owning a business is hard. Um, it's like people say, do what you love, and you'll never do what you love for work. You'll never work again. But that's like absolute bullshit because yeah. you're always working literally right you'd be the same you don't you'll never work a day again you work every single damn day like it's a public holiday here on monday means nothing like we're still working we'll be we'll be working every day forever yeah um i love it i'm not complaining but there's people think owning a business means you can cock up cock up do whatever you not how it works and unfortunately there's no one else to blame no one will take the blame because you don't have that manager to be like yeah deal with this situation like your you have to deal with all the situations which is a lot yeah and um, um yeah just i keep nodding the whole time you've been talking about yes <laughs> yes yes <laughs> um i i people see some for example i took a couple i think it was a couple of months ago now i i think it was like a thursday morning i took my nan out mm-hmm. um and it was actually one of my friends she's like oh it's so good that you can literally just like take time off I'm like yeah, but it's like the Saturday and Sunday that you're usually asking me if I want to go out. That's when I have to say no. And I've had, I to be honest, I've had that. I've had to say no a lot more this year. I think because I see the percentage of compact, but at the same time, me like but personally, but me and my um, husband were gonna get a house before compact started, and we had the deposit. It was ready to go, and then little on me went, got an idea, Jojo. Um, <laughs> what's up? It's business. <laughs> we had to have that conversation and this is the thing people think you can have it oh and sometimes you can but sometimes you have to make those real hard sacrifices that people don't really get sometimes so I, like we and Joe had to have a conversation of do we have do we set up compact and put some of that money towards it um or do we have a house and we chose compact and renting which, which means mm-hmm. now this year even though compact's really like for me, it's really getting to that taken off stage, which is fantastic. I'm still having to say no to friends when they want to do these big extravagant nights out and, you know, just keep saving, like, as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, that is a big sacrifice you have to make with business. Um, as you say, it's not a clock in, clock out. Um, even if it's, like, a Saturday or Sunday, I'm, I might have, like, some downtime, but I will still tap into things. Like, I'm never... Your brain never switches off. I don't know about you. It's like, mm-hmm. I go to bed thinking of stuff. I'm like, right, this is what I need to do tomorrow. This is an idea. And then I get random ideas. It's really frustrating because I'm just about to go to bed. I'm like, oh, great idea. But I know I'm going to forget it. So I have to go on my phone. But, yeah. yeah um, that's it. You're always on your phone, right? Like, because there's Instagram to reply to. You have to document this. There's customers. There's all of this stuff. Like... Don and I have turned into those people now that we'll like pull up at the gym and we sit in our, on our phone for half an hour before we go in because we have emails to respond to. And we are very much like we don't work like as yourself, we don't work nine till five. We work like 
24 hours, if someone messages us, we'll reply to them. Like, their customers are our business. So we have to make sure that they're getting what they want. Um, and we do, we pride ourselves on our customer service. We have like a really personal relationship with our customers. So we make sure that we're interacting with them and we're applying to them and, um, yeah, just, you know, keeping ourselves to that high standard. So when do you have that downtime then? That's something that I've learned um, with running a business is it's all great seeing everyone doing this big fat hustle, but between, like, well, it's not between me and you, but to be really honest, like, I got massive burnout end of last year, like, full on afternoon prep, everything that happened. Um, yeah, like, and I had to really, that's the big lesson it's for me. It's like, well, I can't, I can't keep working, working, work. I, I still have, I need to have, whether it's half an hour out of my day or just 10 minutes, like I need that downtime um, and me time. And it, it does mean that sometimes I don't respond to my friends or I don't respond to, you know, people will probably know this on the podcast. You have to give, I think sometimes you have to be a bit selfish with your timing, just give yourself a little bit of relaxation in order to, you know what I mean? Because if, you, if you're not at your best, you cannot give your best. Like, I've learned that massively this year. Like, if I keep burning myself out, like, the business is suffer, because, do you know what I mean? It, it has, like, that trickle effect. I don't know if you and Donna have had experienced that when it's, like, you both turned around and went, no, we need to put our phones down now. Like, we need to just switch off just for two seconds. Yeah. Like, is that something that you've come across as well? Definitely. And um, being, obviously... Don and I, Don's my fiance. So working together as well, there's there's a fine line. Between, like we have to be able to separate business and separate our relationship, um, because otherwise we just get too focused on the business and we forget that we're actually in a relationship as well. So um, little things like when we take Daisy for a walk, if we're walk my old dog, if we're walking her together, we won't bring our phones. Like I mean, it's twenty minutes, but it's just twenty minutes of not having to not having to be checking Instagram, replying to messages, replying to emails. Sometimes Don will message me or want to call me or something and I'm in the middle of something else and I'm like, oh, can we chat about that later? Like we do prioritise like our work um, conversations. At, like the other day he messaged me and I was at the gym and he said something about business and I said, let's, I'll call you on the way home and we'll chat about this. He's like, oh, we'll talk later. I was like, no, 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 we can talk, but let's not talk about business right now. Like I'm at the gym, so let's just, let's just talk like a couple so it's funny that we actually have to like announce that like and say that to each other but it's so important as well because otherwise it literally is just business all day every day um so yeah that's something that Don and I really do make an effort to work on we don't want to be a couple that is just business like we need that separation um and we need time away from our phones and time away from this this business we've created yeah a hundred percent, because I, I do think if you don't give your, if you don't recharge yourself, then I, I do think the business suffers in some shape or form. Um, yeah. So I really struggle to record podcasts if I'm really busy and burnt out because, like, my brain, like, do you know what I mean I can't, I can't deliver anything. It's not to be honest. There's nothing in there. Like sometimes, if I'm not busy, I'm like, no, like, and that's, and that's when it's like my step back, and obviously with my art now, it's like, right, it's my yeah. time. Like my art is my time now. And it's great because it's like something solid. Um, but yeah, just look at, I think with prep and in business, like you've got to just look after yourself in so many ways, shapes and forms. I think that comes with, it gets easier once you've kind of had that self-awareness as well. Like that's so, so important. Like you guys are now so aware of, right, this is business time or, 
oh, this is getting a bit too much business stuff. We now need to like have like, that pullback. And me and Joe do that a lot more now, which is great because mm-hmm. last year we had no, there was like no balance. It was just completely like flipped up. But as you say, it gets easier. So what let what similarities have you found between competing and running a business? Is there certain like skill sets or certain certain mindsets? Yeah, like what what have you? I found quite a lot of similarities between the two, um, and I found this last year when I was doing networking for another job I was doing, and they're like, oh, I don't know how like you can compete. I'm like, yeah, but you've got a successful business, so I can guarantee you, you applied some of those things into your health and fitness. I mean, like amazing things can happen. So, what have you found any similarities or any different big differences between the two? Have they kind of helped each other in some way? I think I haven't ever, haven't ever thought of that until you've mentioned it. But like, if you run a business, you need to be like fixed, dedicated, and it's the same as competing. You need you can't just give up. Things are going to get hard because if they weren't hard, everybody would do it. So, if you have the commitment and the drive to succeed in business and you can do that in prep you can do it in anything it's literally the key skills to I think any kind of success whether that be personal relationships competing business anything if you are motivated and driven and you know that things will get tough but you just have to push through and you can't give up then I think you have success in every area of your life 100 100 like plan it like organization and planning is something that doesn't come naturally to me but both competing <laughs> and business i think being i don't know what you said being very creative maybe jobs like this being very very creative you sometimes find that logistics side is like it takes a little longer but i do find we like competing and obviously meal prepping and i had to really start to set up my whole days like i never i don't know it's just my age or whatever i never used to have a diary until like about a year ago before that, I was like, yeah, I love diaries. We'll just do that Saturday. It's fine. And now I'm like, no, give me like the date. I need the date or it's just like, you're done. I have color coordinated. My organizer is like color coordinated. Like I wrote notes. You know what I'm like. Like I can't prepare. I have notes. Like I know, like <laughs> I, Don and I work well together because I'm, uh, I think it's the left side of the brain and um, whereas I'm very like strategic and I have plans and I have to do lists and checklists and all this kind of stuff. So uh, we balance each other out well. Um, that's that. good for prep, but that's really also really hard because I'll look at my list and just get too overwhelmed at all. When really it's not that overwhelming as long as you just kind of break it down and make sure you're just concentrating on one thing at a time. Prep, business, everything. Yeah. Oh, I need you in my life, man, because I, <laughs> I, I very much sound like Don right now. Um, and so, that... Yeah. But that again that's come through self-awareness and it's getting cool now to the point that I can start outsourcing a few little bits here and there now so I know the stuff that I I, I can do it it's not a case I can't do it I think you can do anything like if you want to become more regimented you can do it um but yeah it's, it's delegating things that I enjoy in my business and in competing I will do myself things that I can outsource um and get someone else on board if it saves me time energy stress then I start to do it now. Um, even little things. <laughs> I don't know if you find this is like business. You trying to think right? How can I save time? Like time is your biggest asset. And it's like, what can I do which is going to save me time, save me money, um, like in the long run? And even little things like a couple of weeks ago, we started getting like a week of cleaner, and she doesn't do every single like 
part of the house, like not at all. But it's just those little things takes away that stress, especially with business. Yeah. As soon as you can't, like your mind goes right, business off. You then go, and it's like this overwhelming. I've got so much washing. I've got all this other stuff to do. Oh my god. Oh yeah. You just got you learn yeah. that and you do learn. But I think I need. I need a Matilda in my life, probably um, <laughs> in this room, in this office. Here I am. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your plans with Saks then going forward? Yeah, um, we basically just to bring out some really cool collections. Like we recently just um, released new sizes. We now go up to 2XL, which is like, so I... Um, we go from extra small to 2XL. We only just recently went to XL, um, which is crazy, I think, because if we did extra small, why didn't we do extra large? Like, that's going to be large. So we're definitely kind of broadening that approach. We want we design our activewear as, we call it Lux, so we've got a Lux line out at the moment, um, and we want our apparel to be, like, fashion forward, but also, like, comfortable enough to wear at the gym, um, comfortable enough to wear to brunch, like to cover the whole deal. Um, we love, like, John is so creative and I love fashion. So just being able to combine the two, um, and there's literally nothing better than seeing people in our stuff. Like, I remember a couple of years ago, we would see like one person in our, in our, um, line and we'd go up and be like, oh my God, thank you. And now we go, a lot of places and we see a lot of people but like, this is surreal so that's just that's incredible um we've got really cool collaborations coming up we've got really cool um designs that we've been working on we like to work in collections so our pieces aren't always restocked we don't we have like our staple black tights which are the most squat proof tights in the entire world but like you guys can all quote me on that they're incredible um they sold out within 90 minutes last time so they're constantly on pre-order they're really, really good. We're proud of those ones. Um, but in terms of the other products that we have, we do collections. So we're not always um, restocking. We like to do specific collections um, and move on to another. So things are really limited edition. Um, and, yeah, we just love it. There's, when we nail a design, because we are really picky with all of our stuff, like there's literally no better feeling. I don't know what you mean about the um, – so you just mentioned about – like the feeling that you get when someone's wearing your stuff, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't get that feeling. Is still, is it about you? It's, I still get the same feeling that I did at the beginning of Compact that I do now. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's like, oh my god, this is so weird, but it's really cool. But I know you go, do I go over? Because sometimes, I don't know about you, they don't. Some people don't know that I'm the face of Compact. Yeah, especially when you're kind of like out and about. If I haven't got the compact like logo on, I'm just another person. So I did this once. Mm-hmm. I went up to someone just literally like this, and then looked at me really weird. I'm like, no, no, I'm compact. I'm like, oh my god, that's really cool. So I had to kind of be a bit aware, like, hang on. They literally, I just look like a random person that's like going, hello, <laughs> look what you're wearing. <laughs> oh, it's so cool though. So when's your next um, collection coming out? What What's the plan date? So, yeah, so we've got um, we're doing a restock actually tomorrow of the lot line because that went really well which is um and then we are working on seamless so we'll be doing seamless um full length in a couple of i'd say like a month or two that'll be out um we've tried seamless about four times and i've i've sent the samples back every single time because they haven't like hugged the booty correctly or they're not squat proof enough 
um, like little tweaks like that all the time are happening. So we've mastered the types um, and that'll be in the next couple of months. Um, we have some really cool stuff. Like I am excited to do um, my own um at my own collection, I mean, they're all kind of mine and Don's own collection, but have some real input into a particular collection we're working on. So our, we have a Pinterest, we have Pinterest, and it's just like swamped with ideas. Like every time we see something, like we get it, we get in the zone and we're like, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. So um, yeah, it's really cool. And the possibilities are endless. Like the, the fact that, um, yeah, the fact that we have that many ideas, it's, and we now have the potential to reach so many people is amazing. Pinterest is the one, man. I swear to God. Like, oh, my I, God, isn't it? You get lost in it. I think you just start looking at random, like, DIY hacks and random, <laughs> like, Halloween things, and I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> Halloween costumes for the children that we don't have. Like, yeah! I have all this. <laughs> I love it. Halloween for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. It's like imagine for competing then yourself, it's the WBFF Pro card. That's the goal. So yes, you can get yourself over to the UK. Yes, yes. So I'm competing for Gold Coast um in nineteen weeks. Would love to win, love to go pro and then compete overseas in a pro show next year. That would be a goal of mine. Please come to the UK and then just do like a pop up of sacks or something as well. And I'm like, and then I can just be the person on the ground that's helping you. And yeah, come to the UK, please. <laughs> one day, one day. It's definitely on the list. Oh, it'd be so cool. Wait, like, do you? That's not. It sounds a bit silly. Like, I know for UK, like, it's very common for people just to travel everywhere. But I know in the US, like, some like for my coach last year hadn't gone abroad until he came to the UK. Like, is that the same thing with Australia? Do people just stay in Australia or do people kind of, is it common to stay? Was it common just to kind of go anywhere? I think it's quite common to travel, but I haven't travelled very much at all. Um, in Perth, you can go to Bali for like literally $200, $200 Australian dollars, and it's like a three-hour flight. Everything is super cheap. So when I was living in Perth, I went to Bali maybe like eight times or something. Um, yeah, so when moving to Sydney, we travel, like, we're often in Melbourne or the Gold Coast or, um, different cities or states in Australia, but, um, we haven't done any big traveling. We plan to next year. We'd love to go to America, um, UK. We are looking, we're getting married in 2021, so we want to do a honeymoon in Paris. So we, there's plans, there's definitely plans, but, um, I'm one of those original Perth girls that's just gone to Bali a million times. <laughs> that's amazing. I'd love to go to Bali. That's one place. Bali is nice, yeah. On my list. It's on my list. Fingers crossed. But I I, I, I know I've only been speaking to you a bit. Um, if you have, obviously look at the episode notes, but I'm going to put Don's Instagram on there as well because <laughs> he's such, I just, I love following his stuff as much as I follow your stuff. Obviously I love you slightly more, if not a lot more, but like I have a lot of respect. <laughs> Um, for Don as well like I just love how open he has started being as well recently I have noticed it and yeah, yeah it's just great like you're both amazing and you're both great to kind of watch um, both from the business side and kind of like with your own like personal and just know like, I, I just love it yeah well Don's you're right Don has made an effort to be more real um, and to show more of the business and show more of the struggles and all that kind of stuff because um, 
like I said, we were kind of tossing up whether or not to pretend we were a team to everyone, that we had people to blame if something went wrong, um, or to be honest and real and say it is really just Don and us doing it. So now that we've made that decision um, and we've become open and become so real on Instagram, it's been amazing for us. Like, I think that is, that's the key on Instagram as well, I really believe. Um, oh, my God, that's my post on Instagram notification. I do what? I have an alarm set, so I know to post on Instagram at this time every day. That's cool. If you need to do it now, we can just, we can cut this <laughs> out. Okay. I don't even, I don't have content ready today, but honestly, like, being, um, yeah, just being real on Instagram um, has also helped to grow the business and that's what Don and I are both working towards doing now as well, just really keeping it real because Instagram majority of the time is just a highlight reel um, and people can get so caught up in comparing themselves to everyone else's best when really that's not the reality of anyone's life. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So I'm just, li- I'm literally looking for the topics that we previously wrote down. Ah, that, this is going to be a good one. Sponsorships and collaborations. <laughs> I know that your face is. <laughs> I mean, this is when I'm like, we should record. Actually, put this on like a YouTube thing. Um, so talk to me about. I, I can give my own kind of input on this. Um, and to be honest, I haven't actually done this. It's something that I want to do. If I'm just saying for compact right now, like I have <laughs> really been struggling. I don't know if you do, but it's it's harder to find athletes than what you think and the right people to collaborate with. Um, yeah. So if anyone actually is listening to this podcast and does like compact, holler. Because um, actually I, I have to, I'm getting to the point now that I have to really choose people. I have to look past their Instagram. I have to look at them mm-hmm. and then with people. Like I'm very, very blessed and happy that all the girls that I've got on my team now, I generally like, adore a lot of them listen to my podcast before compact so i feel like they know me on a deeper level which is great because yeah. they understand what i want to be doing and what compact is and you know I me mean? all that sort of thing um but like how did you how do you find the whole sponsorship trying to find the right people um i i personally find it it's a lot it's probably the hardest part of winning compact i i didn't think it was going to be because i thought oh everyone wants to be sponsored but I guess from that, you've had it on both sides. Um, I've had it more on like the business side because I haven't done a lot of sponsorships. But it's like, how do you decide on how to go about choosing someone to represent your baby? That's pretty much what it is, isn't yeah. it? Like, it is your baby. You work your socks off. You have this vision and brand and what it wants to be. And obviously choosing someone to represent that brand is a big thing. Like, I personally think it's a big thing. Um, I don't know kind of what experiences you've had with it at all. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when it comes down to choosing athletes or choosing um, influencers, it, it's so much more than the amount of followers someone has, the amount of comments someone gets, the amount of likes someone gets. It's literally we, we're choosing people to be influencers for us because so they need to have that relationship with their followers. They're, you know, there's so many... Um, there's so many Instagrams that you see and they just have the same people commenting the same thing every time. And it's really about having that engagement, but having that strong engagement, having that um, engagement where your followers will actually be influenced by you. Um, 
and you've got to be real. I think that's the key as well. You need someone that's real. You need people that are real. You need people that love the brand. We get people um, message us saying that they love the brand, but they've never shopped with us. And I'm like, well, how how do you love the brand then? Like, we want people that really do have, like, they don't, you know, they want to be honest with, and real with their audience and tell them the reasons that they love something. Um, and we also want people that speak to our values and act to our values as opposed to, um, you know, wearing every single brand, promoting every single brand because they get something for free. And I think what the thing is, people need to remember that a sponsorship or a collaboration is a two-way street. We are providing you with product or payment, whatever it is, and you have to also be providing us with um sales with influence you know there's got to be there's got to be a two-way street it's it's like it's like a job it really is um and then coming from a side the side of an influencer too sometimes having brands reach out to you or collaborations isn't the greatest thing because you have a responsibility to represent that brand and you have a responsibility to wear the stuff to promote the stuff to talk about the stuff and there's a fine line and your followers will pick up on it as well if you were just promoting everything that gets sent to you um, so I think that's like the main thing is that it has to work both ways. Um, the brand and the influencer have to work together and they have to have the same values. 100%. I don't know if you ever had this, but I've, I don't know, when I first started, I got burnt, to be honest with you. At that yeah. point, obviously every single product, every piece of stock, like that was like gold dust to me. And I remember giving mm-hmm. some product to some girls and they just never posted. And that, that's, and you don't really hear about that. But when I speak to a few of my friends who are business owners, they're like, yeah, same thing happens to us. You give it to them and you just, you literally, they just go off the face of the earth. And mm-hmm. I think it goes back down to, you're not work when you're working with these sort of businesses. You're working with that person that's put their heart and soul into it. Like it's a big yeah. thing to want to work and collaborate, collaborate and sponsor someone and work with mm-hmm. someone in some sort of way. Um, but yeah, I got I I had two girls that I gave this to last last year. Wore my stuff, didn't oh, mention wow. nothing, and it hurts. Like it, for me, I I take it personally. I'm like, oh my god, like. I, well, what do you mean? It's really hard. I think the whole sponsorship area is actually really, really difficult to kind of maneuver on both sides. Um, I think because it's still yeah. a new thing as well. Um, but yeah, as you say, it, you have to go, you have to look past all the, I guess, like the stats, and it literally goes down to the values. Like, I have mm-hmm. all, I, the way my process works now, I've completely shut down sponsorship applications. I just go by. Basically, people that have already support the brand, as you say, because you know that they are hundred. I mean, they they are hundred percent like get it. Whereas you yeah. get what they approach you, and you look and think you haven't like they they've just recently followed you, or if they haven't brought anything, and people take that as oh, I've got to spend the world with you. No, no, no. I for example, one of my athletes, Charlotte Pitstock, she bought. What was this she bought? It was like a year ago at Body Power. I like it's kind of at Expo in the UK. She bought a four diamond bracelet for five pounds and a bikini bow for eight pounds. So she spent fifteen pounds. That was literally it. But it, it that wasn't the point. Do you know what I mean? Like she saw the value in it because it was Body Power. She forgot something. Compact was there to help her. That's what it was about. Yeah. And now 
I'm going this weekend to Alicante to hopefully help her get a pro card. Like, that's what it's about. And people think, oh, I've got to spend loads of money. Like, no, it's not. It's just that, it's just that initial showing that you understand the value of what that company brings. Because then once, once they've got that experience with you, they, they, do you know I mean? Like, they, they can 100%, are not promoted, but do you know I mean? Like, they, they, they believe in it. Yeah. And it's their reputation as well. Like, if you don't know how that company interacts with customers, if you don't know anything, and you could be promoting a company that is actually absolute pants. But if you have that experience with us, then you know. Do you know what I mean? Do you see what I'm trying to come from? Like it's trying to, it's getting that balancing act between the influencer, making sure it works for them. Like I've had some conversations with some girls, and I'm like, I just don't think I look at them and they're amazing, but I think it's not going to be the right fit for you they've come approach me and I just because you can see long term and thinking it's sometimes it isn't it isn't the right fit and it's not a bad thing on either side it's just you've got to make sure as you say those values and the vision and everything's aligned because then it makes it so much easier like I've got six girls now and they're a pleasure to work with and they're a breeze but I can tell you now they had phone calls with me I had to meet them in person like I really took my time because as you as it's with yourself it's your baby and you want to make sure the people that you've got mm-hmm. are like a, a good representation of the brand and you are able to support them as well it's as you say it's a two-way two-way thing sorry I feel like I've gone on yeah. a big rant but no, it, I, I um, love that absolutely so is do you have like set athletes do you have do you do more collaborations now like what have you found been like the best sort of fit Sucks. Definitely, yeah, definitely collaborations. Um, we did go through a stage where we were getting a lot of athletes on board, um, but then that would kind of entail athlete management. Um, so making sure they hit a certain amount of posts per week, per month, whatever it is, making sure they promote this, promote that. And we we don't want to do that. Like if you love our products, then promote it as you wish. Um, so I don't want to go and have to manage all these influences. Um, we have enough on our plates already as opposed to like checking everyone's Instagram stories. So we now do a lot of collaborations. Um, if you know, we work with um, um, high profile influencers who want to either build their own line or, you know, they love our stuff and they want to do that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, not athletes, so to speak. Um, but I mean, we do work with some to do some promo or some collabs, but um, majority of it is like, is high-level influencers um, that we'll work with. And um, really, our customers do most of the promo for us, which is incredible because, like, I love that it's, like, become a thing. If you get stuck, you post about it. Like, when you place your auto and you receive your package, like, we're all about the whole customer experience. So the fact that they're, like, so excited to share their purchase on social, like, makes my day. And then they tag us in it, we can repost, and it, it goes on from there. So that, like, honestly, that is the most worthwhile we've, um, we've worked with some really high profile um, Instagrammers and we haven't had much out of it so it and it all comes down to the influence so um, real people tend to tend to do a lot of that for us which is amazing and isn't that a cool thing that the good people do well in the end yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely good will always win <laughs> yeah that, it sounds silly a bit um cliche but it's very very true it is very very yeah. true because i've had some of my athletes that like, they're really shocked that i've like wanted to work with them but they think mm-hmm. oh i'm not massive i'm like that's not the reason that i've called you back exactly that is not the reason that i've called you back it's because you are genuine 
absolute babe and it's amazing sometimes yep. when you get to the point where you know they're such good mates of yours and when when you obviously you've got your own sort of contacts and I've got my own contacts now it's great that if I get if I have a, a chat with any of those other brands that I'm working with they're like oh can you think of any influence or anyone that would be up for it I know that I could 100% recommend my girls like which is mm. even better like even better yeah. so it works both ways but yeah, they become like family as well. You need to have that trust there. Yeah. Culture is everything. Who says that? Oh, Jim Shark should say that. Culture <laughs> is everything. And I think that is so true. And I have something that I've, I take, now I've got my kind of core group now, it's really even more important to me. Like, if I yeah. ever want to look at anyone, like, I'm like, girls, what are your thoughts? Like, I always go to them now, which is great because then obviously you've got that. I guess you got more input and more feedback. So yeah, yeah, it's all good fun. You learn though. You do learn. You learn with this whole crazy. <laughs> so um, the last thing that I've got on this little list that we created um, is, and I think we'll we'll finish up on this, is your past experience with binge eating. Um, yeah. Where was? I don't even know how to start this part, to be honest, babe. Um, how, like, where did it kind of start for you? Um, it's something that I think is more common than what people realise. Um, <laughs> and I don't think it's, sometimes it isn't a case of, oh, it's just because it's competing. Like, no, like, not everyone, doesn't matter whether you compete or not, like, everyone, to a certain degree, like, can suffer from binge eating, can, can suffer from you know from anything so like, people sometimes think it's just competing but i personally have found that sometimes it's yeah you know, it's common it's it's like it happens to so many people so many people so how does that kind of i don't know how do the initial sort of binge eating episodes or i don't know i feel like i'm rambling now hopefully that's actually this is the bit that i'll edit you know what i mean um yeah how did like how has been what's been your journey like with binge eating like where did it start um how is it now how have you coped with it i think that's kind of maybe a good start place to kind of start so i my first memory of binge eating i was seven years old um so i remember seven years old picked up from primary school and by my neighbors and i went into their cupboard and i ate four packets like giant packets of salt vinegar chips and that because I wasn't allowed them at my house like I that they were a naughty food and I was never allowed to eat that so little seven-year-old me binge eating in the cupboard I had no idea what I was doing but I just knew that they had these chips and I could never get them again so I just ate so so many of them um and then I'd come home and I'd eat my dinner and pretend everything was fine but that just kind of started happening all the time and um as I grew older, I when I got my license, I was able to go go to McDonald's and get fast food because I wasn't allowed that as a kid. I would then binge eat on that because now I had control over what I ate. And my parents would always give me like an apple for recess or like a muesli bar, you know, the health healthy, I say <laughs> loosely, muesli bars. But I wanted, you know, chips and I wanted whatever else had, but I could never have that. So. As soon as that was available to me, I would just go nuts. Um, so literally seven years old was my first memory of it. And then I remember um, when Don and I, maybe like three years or so ago, first started dating and she came over to my house with a tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and um, in cookie dough. And I was like, okay, cool. We didn't eat it all. And I was like, you need to take that home with you. 
Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I will. Um, but anyway, 1am, I was still awake because I was thinking about this ice cream. I was like, no, Don would have taken it home. It's not here. It's not here. 1am, literally no sleep. And I was like, okay, just go downstairs till we'll go down. We'll see there's no ice cream. You can go back to sleep. Went downstairs. The ice cream was there. I finished the tub. I finished the jar of peanut butter and I ate 12 press bars. Like I just, I had no self-control and I didn't enjoy a single bite of it, but I just had the food there. So I ate it. So mm-hmm. it was like, it, it's, it's crazy. It's not, you get into this zone, you get into this, like, it's like you're possessed and you just need to finish everything. And then you think once I ate the ice cream, I was like, oh, well, stuff it. I don't know the words that I used it. I was like, I'll just go and eat everything else. Mm. Um, I've already messed up. So, and it's like the saying that says like, if you have one flat tire, you don't slash all the others. That doesn't make sense. And it's the same as binge eating. Like it doesn't make sense, but in the time you're not thinking in a logical state whatsoever. Mm. Um, so I always just classified myself as a binge eater for the longest time. And I, then I would think I could never compete because I binge and that would be really restrictive of me, um, restrictive on me. So I could never do that. And I used to follow these girls on social media that would compete. And I was like, oh my God, amazing girl crushing on them, um, looking up to them so hard. And then I thought I could never do it because I was a binge eater. That was it. Like that was the way that I am. I'm always going to binge. And I just made the decision to compete. And that is really, it's funny you say that competing makes a binge eater, but competing actually helped fix, fix me. I don't know if that's the right term to use. Yeah, because I had a diet and I had to stick to this diet and prove it to myself that I'm not a binge eater. Like I didn't, I don't just fit into that box. I have control and I'm going to prove it to myself. And then I'm going to get on a stage in a tiny bikini and I wouldn't have binge and I would have done it. And so like even in my off season, I didn't binge, which I overate sometimes, um, but I didn't binge eat, which was pretty cool um, considering seven years old to 27 now um so competing actually fixed that problem for me because I had a plan I had to stick to it and I had a reason but um it's like saying what you what's the same I'm all about quotes as you can tell but (laughs) what you eat in private you know in public and there was no way in hell I'm getting on stage in a tiny bikini if I had been if I had gone off track I didn't want to go up there and think if only I didn't do this, if only I did this. I didn't want to go out with regret. And that mindset helped me outgrow the binge eating. Um, so, yeah, I actually, like I prep changed my life in many ways um, and that is a huge one of them. And I think Don and I were talking about this the other day. I think it comes down to when I was a kid, you know when you're at, when you're at the dinner table and you have to finish your whole meal as well, like you couldn't leave the table until you finish your meal. I think that is my mindset as well as to why I needed to finish everything because I couldn't leave the table before, like it was bad to leave any food on your plate. Yeah. So now or then I would think I can't leave any ice cream. I have to finish it all. I can't leave a quest bar. Like I ate a dozen quest bars. Like that is wild. But I was just in a mindset that, like, I've already screwed up. I might as well finish it all and start again tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, that's – it was – I was bad. I would consume thousands of calories in one go at 1 a.m. because I was trying to get to sleep. And I went – literally went downstairs to double check that there was no ice cream and I ended up eating everything. So, um, 
Yeah, because you didn't really turn that around for me, which is, I think that's a rare story and probably not expected. I'm so glad, like, you know, that's fantastic. I'm so, it's great to hear that. It's it's really refreshing and it just shows that no one person is the same. Um, But I think that's amazing, man. Like, you've done so well. So well. Because yeah. I think it is hard when you've got, because I had the same thing, um, you know, you've got to finish a, you've got to finish a play, all that sort of thing. Um, and this is something that I've become quite aware of. Like, I eat super quick, really yeah. quick. Like, the fact, the point that my digestion goes really funny, and Joe's like, why do you eat so quick? Whereas when I was younger, I hated being at the family table because I didn't want to be around my dad, didn't want to be around my brother. So I would literally, I, that's how, where I learned it from. It's like, eat quick, you finish all your food, finish everything on the plate, you can leave the table. That was literally ingrained into my head. I didn't realise how much that memory was really, it, do you know, it was coming into other areas of my life. It was with yourself. Um, you can't leave any, you can't leave it. And I was the same. I was mm-hmm. the same, but competing helped me. Compete and help me with that as well. Um, with being ready? Yeah. With the whole, yeah. yeah, I think it's the whole like family, not really, the whole relationship with food generally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I don't think I'd have that much effort. I don't effort, but I think competing for me has helped me take control and have to take full on action of my relationship with my food. It made it very aware. It was literally, right, I want to compete and that's the goal then. So this isn't really shit. Mm-hmm. Obviously we're on a podcast, you can't see anything visual. But imagine <laughs> you I don't know, imagine you're on the motorway and like your goal is right there, but there's a massive block. And it's like, if you don't sort out your relationship mm-hmm. with food, you can't get to that. You can't get to the end of that motorway. And that's the way I saw it. I thought if I can't get a good relationship with food, I can't compete. That's the way I saw it. I thought, I'm not going to compete in unless I'm at that place. Where some people think, oh no, like I can just do that. No, you've got to, I think sometimes you've got to really dedicate and know that you're going to give it 100%. And that's the way I saw it. I was like, right, if I'm really going to do this goal, then I've got to take this shit seriously. Um, That's the way way I saw it, to really honest with you. And I think it's done well. Like, I'm not perfect, don't get me wrong. Um, But Competing for me taught me self-awareness and how certain things in the past led me to behave and act in certain ways that mm-hmm. that weren't actually me. It was just things that have been brought, I was brought up with. It wasn't actually a me. It was just a product of what had happened in the past. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like you put yourself in, just like how I said, I'm a binge eater. But you're not. You choose to be that, but you could choose to not be. I mean, I hope that doesn't come across. Like, take that with a grain of salt because I understand that is difficult for a lot of people. But you don't have to box yourself. If you don't want to be something, you don't have to be it. And I think competing showed me that I could, I would look up to these girls and girl crush on them and want to be like them. And I turned myself into that. Like, that's what I decided to be. And I went and I did it. And you just make that decision and you commit to a goal and you can literally achieve anything that you want. Um, it's all just your mindset. Yeah. Power of the brain of so many things. Yeah. And and we've, I've just looked at the topic we've put, what stops people from succeeding in competing in business? It is yeah. your mind. 
I think everything comes back to your mind and the actual self-belief that you can do it. And that's something that stopped me, even to this day now. Like, I, for example, we've, I'm trying an event for um, Compact in November, and I kept putting it off. I'm like, why am I putting this off? <laughs> I don't even think it's your business sometimes. You have this great idea, you're like, why am I not doing it? But it's like, once you get that awareness of like, right, it's pop, you, that's, you have to do a lot of self-reflection, I think, of competing in business. Because once you've got to that point, then you know you're unstoppable and there's so many things that can happen. Um, for example, myself mm-hmm. this year, I think particularly with Compaq, um, what, how, everyone's like, oh, how, you know, it's really kicked off, like, what have you been doing? I think it's just my self-belief of really going for it and the same with competing. I hit condition last year that I never thought was possible purely because of my mind. Yes, what actually bought it was reduced calories, all that sort of thing, but it was actually the mind telling me, no, I can get there now, but this is what you need to do. And that kind of that drive, um, I think it definitely teaches you that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just not giving up. Things are going to get tough in all areas, but nothing good comes easy. So you just have to, if you want to do something, just go and do it and give it your absolute best shot because you don't want to regret not giving it your all, I think. And you're never going to be, there's no perfect time for anything either. Like you said about putting things off, perfect timing doesn't exist. And it's, you, you can't just release something when you're ready or when you think something's perfect or do, do it when it's the perfect time because it's never going to be perfect. You're always going to want to edit. You're always going to want to improve on something. And that's the whole point of life is literally editing and improving and growing constantly. You can't just wait for the perfect time because otherwise you're not going to do anything. Literally, there'll be never a perfect time. I don't know about you. I look at um, like my first, I remember my first website that I made for Compound. I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. Like, I'm quite happy with this. I look back at it, I'm like, oh my God, no. Like, thank God I've, like, improved it. (laughs) I hear you. I see some of these photo shoots that we did for Stacks, like, even just last year, and I'm like, oh my God, what were we thinking? But, I mean, I'll probably look back at the page shoot in a year and be like, oh, could have done this better, could have done this better, but that's all all part of the fun. Same with competing as well. Oh, good times. Right. I think we should end it there. Um, You've been an absolute babe. I hope... It must be interesting because you listen to these podcasts and obviously it's going to be edited. You must realise that none of this stuff is perfect. Like, I make so many mistakes and people don't realise. <laughs> when you, I was like, do I have to be live? Like, what if I swear? Yeah, if I was live, I don't think these would ever go out because, oh, God, I just, you know, I'm like that now. You know exactly everything that comes with these podcasts. I love the real you. I love it. <laughs> so I guess aside from, you know how this ends, you know how I roll now, what makes you not just bikini girl, but it has to be not sex related or anything that you've mentioned now. It's got to be something completely different. It's a tough one. I think it's just my drive and my determination. I, really, I want to achieve some goals. Like, and I want to kick ass. Um, I have so many goals that are personal related, business related, fitness related. Um, and I think that is so much more, there's so much more to life than the stage. And you don't have to give up all of your life just to compete. And you and I have like perfect examples of that. We still run businesses. We still have relationships. Um, life still goes on and there's still a life. Uh, there's still a life that isn't just on stage. So you have to make sure you've got all areas of your life um, sorted in order to be successful in a show and successful in every other area, I think. Have you got any other hobbies? Online shopping is probably... (laughs) (laughs) 
sorry about that. Although, yeah, no, um, I'd love to say, like, I was, like, a musician. I'm, like, oh, like, guitar, like, literally Instagramming, shopping, such, like, stereotypical girl stuff and going to the gym. Ooh. I love it. Eat in my off-season. That's a hobby. Yeah. You do have, like, the cutest dog ever that I keep seeing, Baby like, behind me. <laughs> wearing a, um, a jumper that says rich bitch right now, so I love it. I love that. <laughs> oh, I just really want a dog right now. I keep seeing dogs anywhere. But anyway, right. Thank Bye. you so, so much for coming on. Uh, thank you so much for all of you for listening. Please do let us know if you found this episode inspiring, helpful, useful. I'm hoping the sponsorship side actually is hopefully going to be something which people take a lot away from. So I know a lot of competitors want to kind of get into that space a little bit more. But yeah, just don't get put off if you haven't got loads of followers sometimes because it's not everything. Um, but yeah, subscribe, leave a not subscribe, leave a review if you have liked this podcast. Um, I'm going to leave all. Uh, so I'm going to leave Don's, Matilda's, and uh, Sack's Instagram handles in the episode so please do go and support um what they do because they are awesome and they're just such babes and yeah there was one time that i was really struggling um and this is the beauty of her being in australia it was two o'clock in the morning and she was wide awake <laughs> so i was like yeah. yeah she really um uh, i do thank you for that um basically i was having a bit of a meltdown and i don't know i haven't got many friends that compete and run businesses so it was nice just to be able to lean on you babe so I do appreciate that so thank you mm, absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me I've had the best fun next time we'll do another one we'll have one done next time that'll be fun oh my god right guys do let us know if you ever enjoyed it and we'll see you in the next episode